oh, I just feel like we could probably go home after that. This is who they are. This is what they've done all year long. They've learned and asked questions and fought and wrestled and gone through intense topics and sat with their small group leaders who have all built walls around them of faith. And so it is a great privilege for me to be with them. It's a great privilege for me to get to teach them um, and to stand before you today to show them off, to show you what they've done and who they are and where they're going next. We are in this Faith and Doubt series right now. And the Commitment Class kids for two weeks specifically this year got to throw questions at Pastor Crosby and have him try really hard and do a really good job of answering them. And they were hard questions. These kids can think of good questions. And they rattled them off and stumped him maybe a few times, but did a great job. And when I think about what leads to our doubts and our questions, I think sometimes that's a big picture thing, and I think sometimes it's small and more intimate, more emotional, and more tied to our lives. Sometimes it's those big things that happen like a ferry overturning with hundreds of kids on board. Sometimes I think it means that our doubts come from seeing earthquakes that just shatter third world countries. And sometimes, for me anyway, in the last two weeks, it was hearing that 200 girls were kidnapped from their elementary school by extremists. We wonder where God is and if he's there. And sometimes it's in those more personal moments of our lives where we're praying for healing and it doesn't come, or we're praying for a child that's not conceived or a spouse that isn't here yet. When we can't see any room for reconciliation in a relationship, where unforgiveness just blankets our soul and we can't move past it. And we wonder if God's involved, if God's good, if he is even there. I think we need to get comfortable with this doubt that's in our lives. Because I think that doubt is a good thing. I think that questioning is a good thing. I think it means that we're willing to walk forward. We're willing to wrestle stuff out. We're willing to do whatever it takes to get an answer, even if it means questioning our source of life. I believe that doubt equals commitment. The same commitment that these kids are professing to you that they're going to make. So our story in the Bible this morning is a story from Genesis and Jacob. And if you remember, Jacob is the son of Isaac. He's the twin brother of Esau. He had a few issues in his life, a few problems, a few things go wrong. And he has this somewhat unusual kind of bizarre encounter with God. He gets to wrestle God. So we're going to pick it up in verse uh, 22 of the, 32, the 32nd chapter. Later that same night, Jacob got up and took his two wives his two female servants, his 11 children, and he crossed the Jabbok River. He sent them all ahead across the stream along with everything that he had. But Jacob stayed behind, left alone in his doubt and distress. In the twilight of of his anguish, an unknown man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw he was not winning the battle with Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket. 
and Jacob's hip was thrown out of joint as he continued to wrestle with him. The man said, let me go. The dawn is breaking. And Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. The man said, what's your name? And Jacob replied, Jacob, you will no longer go by the name Jacob. From now on, your name will be Israel because you have wrestled with God and humanity and you have prevailed. And Jacob asked, please tell me your name. And he said, why do you want to know what my name is? Right then and there, the man blessed Jacob. So Jacob called the place Peniel because he said, I have come face to face with God and yet my life was spared. Author and pastor Greg Laurie describes Jacob's life like this. Jacob was a lot like us. He was a very flawed human being, like you and me. He had a heart for God, but at the same time, he had a tendency to be dishonest, conniving, and downright ornery. He spent most of his life wrestling with other people, figuratively speaking, his father Isaac, his brother Esau, his father-in-law Laban, his two wives, So when it came time for a truly dramatic, life-changing encounter with God, the Lord came to him as a wrestler. Jacob was alone in the darkness. He had none of his possessions, nothing to distract him, no children around, no wives around. He had a lot of stuff, too. He had become a wealthy farmer. He sent it all ahead of himself, so he was left alone in the dark to deal with his past, and his pain, and his doubts. And a man came along that he didn't recognize. But the man was willing to wrestle him. And Jacob was game. Because he had had enough, and he wanted to figure it out, and he wanted to figure out who he was, and what he was doing, and why he was going back. He had left his home country, went over, um, and found his wife and stayed with his uncle and, um, <clears throat> excuse me, and he, the last time he had seen his brother Esau, he said, I'm going to kill you if you come back. And that's where he was headed. He was facing everything. And so he wrestled with God. And in the midst of it, he refused to give up. Uh, I don't know how many of you know a lot about wrestling, I was forced to learn about wrestling, and I say that with all love. Um, But I did not grow up in a family that had anything to do with wrestling. Um, My dad was a football, basketball, and baseball player. We did golf. We did soccer, dance. I'm sorry, we had nothing to do with hockey. Um, But we really had nothing to do with wrestling. And when I went back to Nebraska... uh, to go to school there, I started volunteering for an organization called Youth for Christ. And Youth for Christ assigned me to Lincoln East High School to start working with kids. And Lincoln East High School uh, is a wrestling school. They are a wrestling school and a soccer school. And this is what I spent my winter doing. This is the state championship wrestling meet in Lincoln. And it is packed with people. And so I got down there and like any good trying to do with the kids what they like to do. We, I needed to get to know the sport of wrestling. And I had to learn what a reversal was and a takedown was and why you get points and why you can't just pin someone. And when you have someone on their back, isn't that a pin? That's not, it's not. 
It's not necessarily a pin. You have to get them in the correct position in order for it to be a pin and in order for you to win. And I learned all of this stuff. And I learned by watching so many of the parents who were so intense and watching so many of their wrestling meets just how intense wrestling was. You would see us, we got to a point where we were in the stands and we were like this, in the stands, because we were like, oh, if he just went this way or if he just, it is intense and it is quick. One wrong move in one split second changes the way the match is going. Jacob couldn't let up. He fought him. He wrestled with God face to face, and he said, I'm not giving up until you bless me. And I think sometimes we think of this as something that, that, that Jacob wasn't respecting God or revering God, and I don't think that's true in this text. I think that Jacob very much had a respect and a reverence for God. And God met him in the mess. He met him and he said, okay, let's do this. Let's wrestle. Let's figure this out. I thought maybe the word wrestling in Hebrew didn't actually mean wrestling um, the way we see it. I thought maybe it meant he had this really intense conversation, and it doesn't. In the Hebrew, it means to grapple, to wrestle. It's that intense. And Jacob did it all night long. Hosea gives us a little bit more insight into this match between Jacob and God. And he says, even from the womb, he fought with his brother by grabbing his heel. When he grew to be an adult, he struggled against God. He wrestled with a heavenly messenger and won. He wept and begged for his help. Jacob was committed to figuring out his questions and his doubts, his distress, his fears, his past, and he was going to do it with God. The word wept in that passage is the Hebrew word bakha, and it means to weep bitterly, to bewail, to lament. He was in tears with God. This was a big deal. This was intense, and he wanted to figure it out. There are so many stories in Scripture where people wrestle, either figuratively or literally, with God. And God is willing to get into it with them. The Canaanite woman, the persistent widow, Job, the blind beggar, Paul, they all had tenacity and persistence and commitment to seeking out God. God held Jacob's destiny in his hand, and Jacob wanted to know what it was. So he fought him. And God disabling his hip socket isn't God being hateful. It's not God being mean. It's God saying in the end, I am still God. It doesn't mean that he's going to win this match in a competitive or an arrogant way. God is saying, I am still God. And I want you to trust me. And I want you to walk with me. And I want you to surrender. But to surrender to me with an active engagement. I don't think the opposite of faith is doubt. I think those two things need to go hand in hand. Because I think doubt creates movement. It creates commitment. I think we need to be worried 
when we have apathy. Because apathy means we just stay still. It means we don't care. We don't do anything. We're not moving. It means we're in if we have doubt. And so I would encourage you this morning to be okay with your doubt, to be comfortable with your doubt, to be okay with your questions, and to face whatever it is that God may be calling you to face. Wrestling looks a little bit different for us now. It's not fighting out with God all night long, physically having God in front of us. So what does it look like? I think it's that active engagement of surrender. I think it's sitting in the process, which sometimes takes a long time, and that's okay. I think that it means owning our true feelings, and like Jacob, being willing to face it. Our God is a God who saw our deep desperation, the deep mess that we got ourselves into, and he wasn't willing to just let it be. He loved us so much, like Caroline and Charlie said, that he left heaven, came down to earth, lived a perfect life to take our place on the cross. We've talked about this so many times this year, haven't we? God left heaven for us. He stood in our spot so that we could have fullness of life, even with our questions and our doubts, and life everlasting. He has our true identity in his hands, and he wants us to know it. And so for whatever questions or doubts or stress or fear or your past that you have, whether it's some big question of whether or not he exists, or could he truly be good in a world with so much evil, or if your doubts and your questions lie in a more personal, intimate circumstance. That's where mine are. Mine are in wrestling with trying to figure out if God is really good to me, if God's really good for me, if he really wants what's best for my life. But wherever they are, be willing to make the commitment to move forward with him, to actively engage with him, to be comfortable in those doubts, and in that process. Because I believe he will meet us there. And I believe, like Jacob, he will bless us, and he will show us our true identity. Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are. Thanks that you're willing to get into the mess with us. Thanks that you're willing to wrestle it out with us. You're a personal and relational God, and we are so grateful for that. I pray, Father, that we would look to you, that we would acknowledge you and want to be in it with you as well. God, thanks for Commitment Class Sunday. Thanks for these kids and their leaders. In your name we pray. Amen.